Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Waiteka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Well, hi, everybody. And this really is a very special day for me as this is my 300th episode of the Born to Talk radio show. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, one and all that have joined me over the years. I am just thrilled, and I can't think of a better person to share this with than my guest today, Donald James. Welcome to the show, Donald. Thank you so much, Marcia, and good afternoon. And, and wow, 300, that is what a great accomplishment. I wish my baseball batting average was that good. I've been a professional <laughs> baseball player. <laughs> hey, you know what else is 300? Isn't that a perfect game in bowling, too? If you get three, I if believe you get, it is, oh. yes. I hadn't quite gotten there yet either. I, you know, <laughs> we took it to sports. You went to baseball, and I thought, oh, yeah, you know, I used to be a bowler. That's kind of funny. Um, but anyway, that's, that's funny. But I, I want to just tell people that, that you have had a 35-year career with NASA, and have recently yes. published this book, Manners Will Take You Where Brains and Money Won't. And we're going to be talking about both of those subjects today because each of them on their own are fascinating. But before we just sort of dive into the pool, I thought we could start off, Donald, a little bit about just telling our listeners about yourself, just about your background, your family, whatever it is you'd like to share with people, because we're going to be talking about your career certainly as well. So, so Thank tell you. us a bit about yourself. Thank you. Uh, well, I'd like to start with by telling people that I'm a person that deeply cares a lot about people and their dreams and wishes. Uh, I pride myself on being a good listener and being very present. I'm not always perfect, but that's my intention. But I'm also a father of two wonderful children and a husband of 32 years. I have a brother and a stepbrother and stepsister. And, um, you know, my wife and I are an interracial and an interfaith couple. And I think we've defied the odds given both our parents divorced when we were young. She grew up in San Diego and I grew up in Sacramento. And uh, we were fortunate to have been introduced to each other by her sister. So um, I'm 64 years young, and I live in Northern California, and I am just so excited to have met you, and I just appreciate this opportunity, Marcia. Oh, man, you're the best. I, I, you know, I, for those of you who are listening, it probably wouldn't surprise you to know that when I don't know my guests personally before we go on the air, I like to talk to my guests ahead of time just to establish a rapport. And by the time I got off the phone with Donald, and I got to tell you, you are an, an incredible listener. In fact, that that initial phone conversation still resonates with me because of Thank you. what we talked about and your sincerity. And I remember saying to you, 
God, I wish we were neighbors. I don't really want to move, and you don't really want to move. So I guess we won't be neighbors. But um, I, I, you are a sensational human, and uh, I Thank am. You. I, I, I feel very, very privileged to have you joining me. So let's let's talk. Let's start with NASA, because okay. that in itself is a pretty amazing story. Why did you decide to work with them for them? I suppose from the um, to start with. Yeah, that's it's it's a great story, a one that I I tell in the book. Uh, but if I were to say that I grew up knowing that I always wanted to work for NASA, you know, like a little kid, I wanted to be an astronaut or something, then that would not be correct. So to understand my evolution that got me to NASA, then the real question is, why did I actually decide to stay at NASA? And that didn't happen until 1986, four years after I began my career. So what happened was that I was getting a master's degree in economics and wanted to solve problems of poverty and destitution. That was my interest at the time of my graduate education. And I discovered while searching for possible work after grad school that most organizations require applicants to have three to five years of relevant work experience. In order to get work experience, one of my advisors recommended that I apply to a special internship program for the federal government. It was called the Presidential Management Intern Program. So if you were successful in actually getting into this program, then you can apply to work in special positions specially reserved for, we call ourselves, PMIs. Well, it turns out that federal agencies, you know, had a list of all of us, so we were we would give letters asking, you know, please come work for us and work for us, and it would be great because they needed, you know, people right out of graduate school to help them. And I actually got a letter from NASA, which I thought was a bit odd. You know, I hadn't I started studying aerospace engineering in college, and I loved airplanes, but I had switched, so I'm not sure why they picked me out. <laughs> So my, my dad actually convinced me to take the interview. This is, I'll, I'll call them pro tips during the course of the conversation. Good pro tip number one. He said, take the interview, son. It's always good practice to interview, even if you're not necessarily keen on the job. Act like you are, though, and see what happens. So I took the interview, and I was honest with the NASA interviewers about my interest in saving the world. But should I decide to work in NASA, I would do my really, you know, my best, right? So the next day, the personnel officer called to tell me they were offering me a position. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. And after wavering a few days, I accepted. And in my head, I decided... Mm -hmm. Well, I would use the first couple of years to get my job experience, and then I will go seek a position, you know, where I can go save the world from poverty and destitution. Something happened in 1986, though, that changed everything for me. And I know most of your listeners know exactly what I'm talking about. January 1986, the Space Shuttle Challenger exploded on launch. And this was a gut-wrenching experience for anyone working at the agency, myself included. And it turns out that the head of NASA education at the time, a person that I had met, knew I was in public affairs at our California NASA Field Center up here in Silicon Valley. And they needed someone like me to work with the backup astronaut to the teacher who perished on Challenger. And, of course, that was Krista McAuliffe. And that backup teacher was Barbara Morgan, a middle school teacher from 
Boise, Idaho, and her parents lived in California, and Barbara had gone to Stanford. So she had California roots and connections. So in the book, I tell the story of my experience working for Barbara and how I came at the time to see the tremendous outpouring of love from educators and students to connect with Barbara as a teacher and as a regular person. So it was that experience that actually transformed me, and I knew that I wanted to work for an agency that had that kind of impact on people. And from that time onward, my career trajectory changed, and I eventually became the head of NASA Education because I really wanted to do my part to inspire young people. In fact, my license plate on my car says, uh, N-S-P-R-K-D-S, and that stands for Inspire Kids. So the cool thing, Marcia, is that on the very first day of my job, when I became the uh, newly appointed associate administrator for education, right, the highest you can go in the government, uh, and not being a political appointee, is that the very first call that I received to congratulate me was from Barbara Morgan herself, that oh. teacher that I had supported. So I felt like I really came full circle. So that's why I got into NASA, but that's the real question is why I really decided to stay at NASA, because I felt it was a place where I can have an impact, and so I'm really proud of that. I can see why you would be, and I'm sure that you know, we're going to talk about your manners book. And in fact, I, I'm kind of curious um, what inspired you to write the NASA book. I mean, the manners book, and and combining it with NASA. So, what yeah. was the inspiration behind your book? And I love the title, by the way. I'm going to just repeat it one more time, so people can certainly add it to their to their Amazon list. It's called Manners Will Take You where brains and money won't. And I love what you wrote down in, in, the, in the little bottle, Wisdom from Mama and 35 Years at NASA. So yeah, we're going to get to know Mama. But So what, what inspired you to write this book? Yeah, so I, it started really when uh, about four months after I retired in 2017, I was invited by the chief scientist at the NASA Center where I worked to come back to the place where I had spent most of my career at NASA Ames Research Center and speak to a group of NASA interns. We bring in interns every summer to work in our, our labs and offices. And at the end of the talk, uh, there was a Q&A session, and one young man raised his hand and said, um, if you could go back in time to when you were just starting off in college and your career and knowing what you know now, how would you advise your young self? And I thought, well, that's a really great question. And I thought about it for a minute. And I said, I would tell young Donald three things. And the first thing I said was, I would suggest that Donald say yes more to opportunities that will come his way. Because I felt that there were many times that I didn't say yes to opportunities because I was fearful or I wasn't sure if it's what I wanted. And um, in hindsight, all of the things that I eventually did say yes to uh, really worked out well. The second thing I told that young man that I would tell my young self is that I would really pay attention to what 
my mother had been trying to teach my brother and me about the importance of manners. And it was really my mother who used to tell us that manners really will take you where brains and money won't. Because when I reflected on my career after I retired, I realized that it wasn't really my intelligence or my brains. It certainly wasn't my money because I didn't have, you know, a lot of money. I had a, I could get by. I made a living, you know. But I, I realized that my manner of being, how I showed up in the world and how I presented myself, and not a, clearly not always perfect. I mean, sometimes I did not have good judgment or I made some mistakes. But on balance, I think I was pretty good. And that's really what got me to where I wanted to go. So I told that young man that I would tell Donald, you really ought to focus on that more because I think I didn't focus on it until late. And then I told him a third thing. I said, yeah, one more thing. <laughs> the other thing I would tell young Donald, you got to remember, this is 1980, right? I said, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to find out about companies named Apple and Facebook and Google, and you should buy a lot of stock in those companies no matter what. <laughs> so they got a big kick out of that. And, you know, and so I said, well, that's probably what I would tell them. Um, so, you know, I, I realized – you know, Marsha, when I, like I said, when I was reflecting on my career, I, I think it was, you know, the manners that really helped me get to where I wanted to go. I was not a straight-A student, and I didn't have perfect SAT scores, and I certainly didn't have an encyclopedic knowledge of a lot of things. Um, I was certainly smart enough to do most of the jobs I did. Some of them were a challenge. But I think I just learned how to show up in the world that caused people to want to take a chance with me, that caused people to want to open doors for me, that caused people to want to mentor me because they saw that um, I was not only ambitious enough, but I was open. I was willing to take feedback and I was willing to accept critique and you know, I wasn't defensive and I could manage my ego pretty well. And so I, that's... That's why I decided to write the book is I wanted to, because in my position at NASA, you know, I would get questions from parents a lot who said, well, what should I have my kids study if they want to work for a place like NASA? Or what kind of colleges should they go to? And, and I said, well, that's a real personal decision, and I have lots of opinions about that process. But I said, my real advice to you is to support your son or daughter to work on their manner skills, broadly speaking, because I think that's going to serve them better. Because um, I know, you know, a lot of smart kids that, you know, didn't get chosen to work on certain projects at NASA because, you know, they were difficult people for one reason or another. So I wanted to to bring those elements into the book, you know, my 35 years at NASA, the the, the uh, wisdom from my mother, the things that I learned from her, and then a lot of the training that I had. I took a lot of training classes both inside and outside of NASA, and I do, you know, pro tip number two, I do recommend that um, people beginning their career take as much advantage of training as they can to learn not only about themselves but how to be effective. Wow, that's really that's, those are really great. Take advantage. So take advantage of. Um, um, I'm I'm writing and listening and talking all at the same yeah. time. Yeah. So so you, you so you're you're telling people to take advantage of the opportunities. I believe is what that's you said, right. right? Yeah, yeah okay, that's okay. right. 
Okie dokie. Right. So let's talk about Mama. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So tell us about your tell us about your mom. Oh. Well, um, my mom uh, was an only child. Uh, she was born five months before the Great Depression in segregated uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, my mother was a fair-skinned African-American woman. Um, so the first thing to know about my mother is that the Depression was always around the corner, the next Depression, right? You know, So she lived very frugally. Um, she didn't spend a lot of money. Um, and so um, she she was really born of that era. Um, because she was an only child, she was used to taking care of herself. Um, she attended an all-woman, all-black college in Atlanta, Georgia, Spelman uh, College. Oh, yeah. And then she studied French at Middlebury College in Vermont. Uh, my mom later became a French teacher, and she kept her French up, um, and so that was her her language. And she met my dad at Spelman, who was also a student there. And after she graduated, they got married in 1950 and uh, moved to New Haven, Connecticut, where my dad was going to law school. And after law school, they uh, moved out to California. Um, my mom loved to play card games, especially bridge. She was uh, a life member of whatever bridge organization there is, <laughs> a, a master bridge player. Um, she was also a cruciverbalist. I love to say that word because I didn't what know does that what it mean? meant. <laughs> what? Yes, I've never even I, I don't yeah. even know how to spell it. How do you spell Cruciverbalist. that? Cruciverbalist. Just you know, how you see one of the hear one of those words, Marcia, that just sound really cool and everything. Well, it means somebody who is an avid crossword uh, puzzle oh. player. And she was. She did the crossword puzzle every day. And my brother ultimately became a cruciverbalist as well, too. He loves a crossword puzzle. I don't do it as much, but they, they love to do crosswords. So she, she did the crossword every single day. And she believed in the old-fashioned way, right, where you it, the crossword puzzle was in the newspaper, right, a yep. physical thing, and you used a pen because yep. you, you had to get it right and not erase mm -hmm. it to, to make if you made a mistake. So, um, right. so she did that. Oh, that's great. Uh, and uh, she also loved to play Scrabble, and 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 that was her her. her and then after way after she retired and we were out of the house, you know, her she she loved to go to the casino. She used to call it her office, uh, but it was only <laughs> nickel slot machines. Oh my goodness, nothing more than nickels. And you know, it was a big deal to say, oh, I won fifteen dollars at the office today. Um, <laughs> oh, that's so fun. That's so funny. Yeah, oh yeah. gosh. That's that's well. I learned a brand new word from you today, and I I'm a word person as well, and I can see where Scrabble goes right along with it. Um, you know, that's, and it's that's... and it's, it's funny because yeah, you used to. I know when my parent when I grew up with my parents um, doing the crossword puzzles now and then, it was always in ink. You know, it, you were right. like cheating if you were doing it in pencil because then you could right. erase it. It's like that's real so, people, real cruciverbalists only use ink kind of things. So, oh, that that is yeah. just that is so great. Um, and how interesting that um, that she had this love of French, which I think is also you know very yeah. very interesting as well. And I'm certainly familiar with Spelman. Um, that's part of the historical black, black colleges, correct? Yes, ma'am. That's right. Yeah. She, Spelman. She went to Spelman. Mm -hmm. Right, because Spelman was right. co-ed, right? Was there a um 
I don't believe it was at the time she went. Um, I may oh. have my history incorrect. Okay. So it's co-ed. I believe it's they co-ed. do co-ed things now with Morehouse. Morehouse is just across the street. But traditionally, it's right. a women's college. Mm-hmm. Right. Because yeah. um, my, when my kids were in high school, it was a predominantly black school. And, man, yeah. that was the school everybody wanted to go to. You're right. right. The girls went to Spelman and the, and the guys went to Moorhead. Went to Morehouse. Uh, are, and they're great schools. Well, Morehouse, I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Interesting. So yeah. that's, that's fascinating. So, so when yeah, you were so growing mom, up, yes, go ahead. Yeah. Go, go ahead with your mom. Uh-huh. No, I was just going to finish by saying to to understand my mother is to know that she loved books and poetry. Her favorite authors were people like Langston Hughes and Maya Angelou. In fact, she took us to meet Maya Angelou once at a talk she gave. And this was a little bit before she got to be as famous as she became, but right after she published her one of her first books, which was I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings, and so we went to go see her speak. Um, but my mom was also, you know, as a teacher, she was soft-spoken. She never raised her voice. Uh, she insisted on pronouncing all of her students' names correctly. Um, she uh, taught in a school that saw many immigrants from Southeast Asia because this was uh, during the wartime, and there were immigrants from Cambodia and Laos. And um, many of the students chose to Americanize their names because they felt like it would make it easier for their you know, American peers to pronounce, but mom would have none of it. She would ask them, what did your parents call you and how did they pronounce it? And she made sure that um, uh, she did that. Um, If you complimented her, she would say thank you. And uh, she would say you're welcome if uh, someone thanked her. Uh, But she wouldn't add any qualifiers to that. She always felt that, you know, thank you, it was nothing to it, or you're welcome, no big deal, that that kind of diminished the value of the expression. So she always would just say thank you and you're welcome and and not, you know, go on. And lastly, um, and this was a huge deal for my mother, if, if you gifted her in any way, you always received a handwritten thank you note in in her writing, and her penmanship was very elegant. Um, And so that was important to her, and so she instilled that in my brother and me, and I've instilled that in my two children. And so to this day, we always will handwrite a thank you note to someone. We don't text someone. We don't email somebody. Or if we did, we would still follow it up with a handwritten note because it really says you were – you were willing to stop in this busy world and spend time to craft a note and address the envelope, stamp it, and take it to the mailbox. So that time represents the value that you have placed on your gratitude to the person that gifted you. And that comes through in the note itself. And so um, I think it's an important uh, thing to do, and I learned that from my mom. Well, and I'm sitting with one from you right in front of me. Uh, And, you know, I I just have to digress for a moment. We're going to never get to all these questions, but it's okay. It doesn't matter. You you said something that was very significant that played a role in my life, and that was from my mother-in-law. My husband was from Detroit. And Mm -hmm. I remember it was Christmas time many, 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 many years ago. And she had given us, she had given us all a hundred dollars. And I was like, oh no, no, you shouldn't. She said, just say thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And That's... it was so oh. profound. Oh. She was a woman of not a lot of words. Yeah. And it, 
it's it's a it's a it's something that I refer to regularly with my own family, with friends. When somebody does something, you don't have to qualify it by just saying thank you. You actually give it even more importance. And yes, I, I love I love so that wild. I love that you said that. That that's very that's very so true. Amazing. It yes. is amazing. You know you. Um, Let's talk about manners. I, I, I think I'd like to, um, I know that you've probably had some heroes in your life and people that have inspired you, but I think the definitions of what words mean might not mean the same thing to everybody. And what right. I would like to know is when you hear the word manners, word manners, what does that, what does that word mean to you? Yeah, and that's a great question, Marcia, because we tend to label things and often how you hear things based on a label might be different than how I might hear it. So mm-hmm. it is important, I think, to qualify it. First of all, I start with the proposition that everyone has manners. The question is, what are, what are your manners? And so we traditionally label our manners as good versus bad. And I'm not so sure this is helpful um, but I do see manners as how we actually show up in the world from the from the world's perspective, right? So it's how we communicate, which includes our words and our body. We know that our our gestures and physical movements is also a form of communication. It's how we listen. It's our behavior, our appearances, our personalities, the whole, the essence of you as an individual, if you will. I, I certainly don't mean manners in the narrow sense of the niceties in life, you know, like please and thank you and holding doors for people, although those are important. Um, but I find that that labeling of manners limiting to me. Um, you know, the people whose manners I really admire, Marcia, are people that have presence. They they just seem aware and, and they're kind and they're empathetic and they they strive to genuinely build rapport with me because they're curious, right? They they they, they learn, they grow, they self reflect and they're willing to ask others for their observations. And so the people whose manners I admire just feel authentic to me, right? I don't feel as if they're putting on an act. You know, uh, I I tell a story about how in my capacity I had to interview people both for jobs and for internships. And a lot of times I can tell that the person is putting on an act, and the act is called, I want to do great in this interview act, and the question that, that I often wonder with some of them is, is this how they really are when they're at home? You know, um, I, think I, I think I tell a story about a, a young man that I, I actually went to Atlanta for a meeting. This was pre-COVID when we can travel, right? And the, the gentleman that greeted me at the, at the entrance to the hotel was just so uh, – effervescent and you know how are you sir and so great to see you and welcome to Atlanta and may you know just on and on very polite and very courteous all the right things and he took me all the way to the check-in we know where we parted ways and I gave him a tip and I just had this nagging feeling I said you know 
I bet when he goes home tonight, that is not at all how he shows up. And so, you know, I mean, on the one hand, so I don't want to be harsh. I I appreciate people making an attempt to connect and have rapport with me out of a sense of duty and what they were trained to do. But I, I just, I prefer the authentic person and sometimes our authentic selves we're not effervescent we're not you know we don't have mm-hmm. we don't have to put on this show i mean there's certain practices we can certainly do even if we don't feel like doing them that would be the heart of good manners but i view it very broadly and um i i struggle with it a little bit definitional wise because i didn't um you know take it out of, you know, the the dictionary and say, okay, this is what it means. It's It really comes from my own observations and experience of the manner in which people present themselves to me and to the world, and, and that's what I'm talking about. Right. And, you know, I, I agree with you. I, I 100% agree with what you're saying because, honestly, when somebody is authentic, I'd like to think that we can tell that yeah. there's something about the behavior. And granted, now that you know we're we're not traveling and not able to do that, but thanks to the technology that we currently have where, you know, zooming isn't just something you do with the camera, and now you're actually looking at people. And I know Skype's been around a long time, and there's been other ways that people can see one another. But I think what you're seeing now in Zoom, especially if it's a one-on-one and it's not a big, gigantic Zoom or webinar, um, you really can ascertain um, or certainly form an opinion about someone's, like you said, not just the words, but how they show up. What is their behavior? Right. What are, are their right. eyes rolling and they're talking to you, but they're looking over there? You know, right. what, what is that? And I think that for the most part we can tell, and when you meet somebody that's authentic, you just don't want to stop the conversation because you don't know what road it's going to take. And I, and I love that, and I think that that's just a terrific way of defining what manners means. But, you know, sometimes we would hear about it's, you know, it's old-fashioned or it's restrictive, like, you know, you, you're, you're, you know, cross your legs or, or yeah. do these things or, you know, do, do, I didn't hear you say thank you when she said something or whatever. There, there doesn't have to necessarily be scolding. It really right. could just be informing. And I presume that not only are you mindful of your manners, but Dennis, your brother, uh, are you? You look like you're pretty close in age. Are you close in age to your brother? Just about two and a half years apart, right? He's. I'm okay. 64 now. He'll be 62 in August. So we're we're Got pretty it. close. Yeah. Right, because it's just an adorable picture on the cover of your Thank book. You. Yeah, Thank you. Thank you. It's so cute. Um, but I would imagine that that these these life lessons that you learn from your mother and your dad, but um, that you then pass that along to your children. And I'm sure if I had your daughter and son on the phone right now, it's like, hey, how much time do you have? Do you want me to tell you the lessons that we learned from – Not, and you know what? And it's a family affair. Granted, you you raised you didn't you're not a single parent. You raised your children with your wife, right. and she has right. obviously she has input as well. But if you're going to pass something along to your family, what 
what a wonderful thing to pass along is manners. I I, I don't right. think it's old fashioned. Do you? No, I. Um, you know, this is what I find fascinating because I believe it's actually the opposite. I I think the cultivation of great manners can be extremely liberating. I mean, first of all, you don't have to pretend anymore, and so that's why if someone says, well, you, they have a set of rules and you have to do it and it's totally antithetical to who you are, well, you, know, you need to think about, you know, why you're doing it or, or what it means. And mm-hmm. but, but I suggest to folks, you know, to, to, to just give some thought to how that might play. So, for example, if you say, well, it's just who I am to wear my pants below my waist and that's my creative side and all of that stuff, and they're getting ready to go in an interview, my only support is that, look, hey, more power to you, but please be aware that the people who are going to interview you may judge you right or wrong by how you are wearing your pants or whether or not you take your cell phone into the room and you glance at it when you get a text or anything like that. So I just don't want you to be surprised if for some reason someone's not inviting you to come work for them or you don't get invited to a party or whatever because bits and pieces of your manner show up in a way that people aren't really comfortable with. So um, I, I, it's not an invitation to just say whatever is on your mind, you know, no filters, this whole authentic stuff. I mean, that's that's not what I'm referring to. It's just being more aware of your environment and the people that you're with. Um, you know, and uh I you know, I I just feel good when I when I can give, you know, of my time and myself. When I talk on the phone, Marcia, I don't do anything else. I sit down and I talk on the phone. I'm not doing the dishes because I love to do the dishes. That's when I do my meditation. I don't I don't mm-hmm. divide my attention. Now the person on the end of the phone has no idea that I'm not doing anything else and they probably wouldn't care if I was doing anything else. But for me, for me to give my full attention to the people I'm with, I don't do anything else, right? So, you know, I I just I think it's um an opportunity for people to really examine what works for them and I'm suggesting that manners is a, a foundational skill that if you cultivate and work that, a lot of magical things can happen. Um, you know, it's, it's like the, the people are familiar with the famous, you know, prayer of St. Francis, right, where it says, for it is in giving that we receive, right? So when I give people my time, my 100% of my time, I'm the one who benefits from that because I get their genuine and authentic self, you know, so I'm not, I'm not trying to do 10 things at once because um, I might miss something and I might never get it back. Boy, I'll have to replay that about 12 more times between now and this evening because I think that so many of us are that ever unpopular word of multitasking is probably you know at the detriment to really being as you just said present like yes. in the military president present and accounted for my father right. was in the national guard so um we i heard a lot of this kind of conversation growing up and 
you're 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 absolutely right. Not only are you really present, but and you're not distracted. The older you get, and I and I'm older than you, um, probably really supports your brain as well because your brain isn't being going in twelve different directions at one time. Right. Like, Wait, what? What? Now you know. I, you know, for me, um, I am a little divided. I, I must admit to that, and because I am paying attention to something that I want to ask you, and I'm and I'm taking notes. But I know that if you and I were sitting in the same room, this that it, we I would I would come to the table differently. I wouldn't have a notepad in front of me taking right. notes. Like, wait, could you just spell that? What was that word about? What was that crossword word? I never heard it before. <laughs> you know, but. I, I think that what you're saying is that when you are as authentic as you are, it isn't really hard to play the game. It's not like That's you're right. trying to fit into somebody else's box. It's not That's like right. you're trying to, to show up and be, oh, this is who they're expecting me to be today, so I'm going to put this hat on as opposed to that hat on. No, I'm, just, I'm right. not wearing a hat at all. You, you know, right. this is you know you 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 were so incredibly kind to me when we spoke, and you and you mentioned my husband by his name. You have you have no idea what that meant to me when you asked me about my husband, and didn't Thank just you. say, "Well, tell me a little bit about your husband." You know, you said, "So tell me a little bit more about Butch." You know, I, I've I've just uh, he's he left 12 years ago, not on purpose. And for you to, for the purpose of us speaking, and for you to pivot that conversation to me, just goes a lot to who you are, Donald, and, 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 and how authentic you are, because he would say it is what it is. And um, that's very logical. That's that engineering personality that's that yeah. training that he, that he has he didn't just sort of mean it he meant it it is what it is he meant it you can, right. you, you 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 can accept it or you can reject it i used to say yeah but and he would just say nope not for me it is what it is period adapt <laughs> and he didn't say it angrily he wasn't angry about it but he didn't want to dialogue the yeah buts or the what if that's right you know yeah. and um and that's you know that that really worked in our in our marriage. And if I needed that's a yeah, wonderful. but with somebody else, then that's where I went. It's like yeah, but you know what? You aren't going to believe this one. And then they <laughs> would you know may, maybe be more coercive about what was ever bugging me. Um, yeah. Let's 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 get back to you though, because I mean I just I, I just just adore you. Well, it's um, all important part of the conversation, and and I just want to I just want to interject here, particularly for the audience about why the discussion about your husband, in my view, is important because, see, the gift is to the reader, because I read about your story of your husband on on your website, and, you know, it was a reminder to me that Marsha had her mate leave her before they were both prepared to do so, and I'm still alive, as is my spouse, so it's another reminder that I don't want to take my life for granted. 
I want to be even more present for my wife because who knows, I may end up leaving her before we want to. So the fact that you were willing to share such a deeply personal experience that you had, as well as reveal that you came out of that the way you did is an inspiration for people. And so to me, it was a natural extension of that, of reading that to want to know, you know, tell me about your husband. And, and I, I would invite the listener when they're with somebody to just be curious about people's history and, and, and what was important to them in their life. And so that's the takeaway for me because I try to use that curiosity to remind myself of what really is important because there's just some things that are more important than others. And our lives with our loved ones and how we, um, how we dance together through our marriage uh, to me is important. So thank you for that gift again. Thank you. That's, like I said, everybody, there are not a lot of Donald James in the world. Uh, I, this, is, this, is a, this is a prime example of what I was talking about. All right, I'm going to gather myself. Let's go back to Mama, because I have to tell you, seriously, I, I, this package that I received from you with your book, with your handwritten note, and then these eight cardinal rules, oh, my God, Donald, they are, and, and not only, not only is the quality exceptional. This is your, the quality of your product is exceptional. But the eight cardinal rules, and there's a picture of your mom in different stages of her life on the front of each of these card, cardinal rules. And there's eight of them. And on, and each of them says, and, 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 and I, I had I did a little Facebook live prior to going on the air, but there are some exceptional. You you grew up with this, so this is what you were accustomed to. But I love some of these rules. One of them: what others think of you is none of your business. That's right. Really, I mean, obviously. And um, don't compare your life to others, and don't judge others. You have no idea what their journey is about. How Non-judgment. true that is, isn't it? How true that is. But I like this one, too. Stop thinking too much. That's called ruminating in my brain. It's all right <laughs> not to know, really. It's all, that's not written there, but that's what, I, that's what I understand this to say. It's all right not to know the answers. They will come to you when you least expect them. I that that goes to the book called The Secret, The Law yes. of Attraction. Yes, right. I, I tell I can't tell you how true that cardinal rule number five has been for me. It's it's you know I spend so much time trying to figure things out and don't understand things and and to me the rule really is an invitation to let it go, let it go. In time, if there is an answer or a response that is going to land and that you will understand it, then it will happen. But, you know, you can spend a lifetime trying to understand, you know, why did my husband leave me when he did? And, you know, I don't understand it. And, And you know what, you may not ever understand it, but if you spend the rest of your life, you know, churning yourself over 
existential questions like that. I think the point is that um, it, it, it's you're, you're going to ruin yourself, and 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 at some point you'll see the answer. And it may not look like what you thought it was going to look like, right? Right. There are a lot of decisions that I made in my life that. You know, I didn't understand why things turned out the way they did. And if I trace back to some of those decisions, I realized that had something else happened, I might not have ever have met my wife and, and had the kids that I had. So maybe that's the answer, why I didn't get certain things or why somebody never called me back that day or whatever. So it's a, it's a useful one to remember. And I have to remind myself of all of these things constantly, Um You know, so, yeah. You know what what I was thinking about, because um, I have a really good friend that that supports me very well, and one of the things that he says to me is, you don't ask enough feeling questions. And that wasn't to mean, he wasn't being critical. He was just Mm -hmm. saying, you know, people, and, and we're just having this conversation right now about feelings. And so I guess what I'm thinking about in regards to segueing through what you've just said is how did it feel, this is like a two-parter, how did it feel to write this book about your mother with your brother? What did that feel like? Uh, That's a wonderful question. Um, I never considered myself a writer I do consider myself an author now because I've published a book, but I had to learn how to take what was in my heart and put it in a form that my intention was to make a difference for the people to whom I was addressing the book primarily. And so um, I can share with you, Marcia, that there are certain parts of this book that when I reread them, I still cry. And I've read it. I've read it several Mm -hmm. times. I have Mm -hmm. written it. (laughs) I've edited it, you know, so sort of like after a while you would think, why does it still move you? But it does. And so um, I having, you know, the picture on the front of the book, and I know people can't see it until they look at it, is a picture of my mother with my brother and me as little babies, I think we're probably, you know, maybe one or two, I don't know the age. And the picture on the back of the book is the picture of me in the Mm. cockpit of my brother's airplane. He's in his captain's uniform and I'm wearing my NASA blue flight jacket. And that was April 1st, 2017, when my brother surprised me by arranging to have a flight out of Washington, D.C. to take me home to California the day after I retired. So for me, the having that photograph on the back of the book and the photograph of us on the front of the book, the book in between, the pages in between, answers the question, how did you go from the front page to the back page and what did your mother have to do with it so that's why we put the picture there is it was really our mother who taught us the important things that's going to get us to where we wanted to go and for both my brother and I we did pretty well and um, Mm -hmm. you know we're we're proud of our careers and you know we're independent and we you know we 
give back to our community and um, volunteer and do things you know that we think we should be doing and so that's that's the essence of feeling that I honored my mother and all the sacrifices she made and she made a lot of sacrifices for my brother and me and um, this book in many ways it, I dedicated it to her as you know um, mm-hmm. is how I honored her so I feel very um, I feel very close to this work and yet as it is now out into the world it I view it as um, a, a piece of work that's for people to absorb and decide you know how are they going to live their lives how are they going to cultivate their manners and for what purpose and um, and so in a way that's my gift to students and early career professionals just like I was given to by people when I was their age isn't that nice as that that if your mother was alive today she would be so very very proud of both of you I'm sure and the way she was uh, she was she lived long enough to see us both in those positions um, great uh, I wondered about but, that yeah she did um, and there's some funny stories about <laughs> even <laughs> even at, at those great you know accomplishments uh, she still would let us know if we wrote something that was grammatically incorrect because she also oh. was an English teacher <laughs> so oh man Highly, highly accomplished your mother, truly. And, yeah. um, and But I bet you, as much as she was highly accomplished, spoke more than one language, was an educator, all the things that you said, if I had to guess, there's another word that I would attach to your mom, not ever having met her, that starts with the letter H. And do you know what word I would come up with? Um, I, I, it's not coming. <laughs> well, then I'm going to give it to you because, frankly, I just thought of two words that start with the letter H. The okay. first word I thought of was humble. Humble, yeah. And the, and the second word I thought of was honorable. And yeah. I suspect That's that it. your mom was both. Yes. Yes, she was. Um, she, I, those two words are very fitting for my mom. Thank you for, for, for raising that because that's true. That's very true. My mom was a humble person, proud person. You know, she was mm-hmm. definitely proud that's of herself right? and and her children. Um, but right. she didn't, you know, wear her pride on her sleeve and tell everybody about it all the time, kind of thing. You know, that just wasn't who she was. Right. Wow. So that's really uh, so. As you're as you're looking forward, I mean, clearly we've had quite the year. Um, we have both agreed that when we can once again travel safely, and it's like the the first question: Well, have you been vaccinated? You know, it's yeah. like you know, people ask those questions. Uh, it's just it's just typical, depending upon your age, particularly. Um, but you know, as, as as you're as you're looking forward to what's up, what's next for you, I know you're retired. You've been retired for some time. You've written this fabulous book. You know, what's up next for you? And, and what do you let's well, let's go with that first. What is up next for you? What what's what's on your horizon? 
Well, I have to respectfully invoke Mama's rule number five, because when I kept thinking about the (laughs) what's next question, I realized, you know, I don't have a good answer, and maybe it'll come when I least expect it. So um, I enjoy sharing uh, this book with people, whoever wants to hear it. the reality is, Marcia, my wife, who is still working and will probably end in about a year or two, we have a pretty long travel bucket list, and we oh, still would like great. to do that. So uh, we had to, like many people, cancel a trip last year. Um, and right. So, uh, we're starting to think about that in the future, um, at least while I can walk around pretty well. And sure. Hopefully my back doesn't bother me. And so you go. Uh, I'd like to travel and, um, you know, learn some more things about the world. But, you know, if there's, if there's an opportunity to um, do more along this particular topic, I'm certainly committed to it. So mm-hmm. now whatever I do, you know, the book is going to be a part of my life. And I'm sure. going to talk about that. I'll do that. Sure. Yeah. Well, I could see a TED Talk. I could see lots of different things. I could see. All right. Now, well, thank you Really, I could, see a, I could see a TED Talk. And I, have you considered that by any chance? I have. As a matter of fact, I even bought the book on how to give a TED Talk, and so I, I still have that. And um, I'm, I've uh, got a connection for you. Really? The beauty? Oh, yes. Mimi Donaldson. That's what she does. She's in my Rotary Club. She's in Chamber with me, and that's what she does. She is a TED Talk coach so that is what i when i say this just gave me shivers when i say conversations plus connections equals community the reality is we have been forced into lockdown communities where we're not traveling because guess what i don't know where you're going next but i'm booking that same trip and um (laughs) where are you going where haven't you been that you're just dying to go well, we haven't been to South Africa, and that's the yes. trip we had to cancel. Yep. We were going to South yep. Africa. I've got and a connection. Okay. Do you? Oh, my goodness. Oh, well, yes. See, oh, I, I have to tell all the listeners, see, Chapter 10 of the book is called Who's on Your Team? And see, I've been sneaky, so that maybe that's not bad manners, <laughs> but see, Marsha's on my team. You she's bet. now on my team, and because she's on my team, because I love that part about the connections, oh, then God. sometimes you just have to put it out in the universe, and the universe yes. helps you out. So uh, the law of attraction, my friend. Oh my God, that that is that is my last <laughs> international experience that I had when I traveled with Loyola Marymount University executive MBA uh-huh. students. My friend worked for LMU. And part of what they did as they finished their two-year program was international travel. And Shelley said to me the year after, well, six months after Butch died, she said to me, would you like to invest in yourself? And I thought, oh, what are we talking about here? What am I buying? And she said, well, I'm going to be traveling with LMU. Would you like to go with us? And that's how it started in 2011 wow. on my first international trip. But in 17, we went to South Africa, Botswana. Zimbabwe. And I have the perfect guide for you because I do. And I have never been anywhere that touched my soul as deeply going to 
Africa. Oh, I can't it wait to is, talk to you about that. I appreciate it. Um, oh, absolutely. But I can tell you, because you mentioned bucket list, so where have you been that just went, oh, my God, that was phenomenal? Where, where's a bucket place you've been? Oh, wow. Well, <clears throat> my father was in the Foreign Service, so we've traveled oh. to West Africa and East Africa, Morocco, uh, mm-hmm. France, and Europe. And I, I've been to many places. Switzerland was a place that really captivated me with its beauty and the mountains and the snow and the clear air and the chocolates and everything. <laughs> um, yeah. And I and I, I want to go back now that I'm a little bit older and I think I can ask uh, smarter questions and dig a little huh. bit deeper. Same with Italy as well. Um, so I just, you know, I was fortunate with my dad and his work to have been exposed to different cultures. And so I think that gave me a deeper appreciation for um, how other people live and evolve and what we can learn from them. And, you know, I feel like I've learned from them a lot. Um, so, yeah, I and, and and part of the challenge is a lot of places I want to go back to because I want to go with my children and my wife, but there's so many other places I haven't been to. It's like, wow. Right. How am I going to get all this in before I'm before exactly. I'm in a wheelchair or something? You know, exactly. I don't know. Oh my gosh! And you know, you had mentioned um, that your mom was very specific about wanting to pronounce names properly. Yes. And um, I would have said to you prior to my South Africa trip that the other the top location because I've been in a lot of different countries, continents, mm-hmm. um, was Vietnam, and yeah. um, and and I was I was across the whole country from the south to the central to the northern, and um, and I would agree with you wholeheartedly. What what resonates for me, what stays with me. Sure, there's maybe the the food. The food in Vietnam was fabulous, um, but it's the people, it's the willingness to share and to talk and to be open. And when when you present yourself as an open person, which is what you do, people – now, some people are going to say, I don't care how open this dude is. I don't want to talk to him. But that's fine because everybody's not the same. I understand that. That's right. You know, I I completely understand that. But for people that are open, open people talking to other open people, I don't care if you're standing in the line at Costco or you're – you know, taking a walk in the park, open people acknowledge and appreciate open people. The sad part yeah. about our masks is that it's only our eyes that are lighting up That's unless right. you are of, of a great distance apart and you've been vaccinated and depending upon where you sit in the risk factor of life, you know, I don't wear my mask when I'm taking a walk to my local market. It's in my hand. I'm prepared to put it on at a, at a moment's notice. It has to go on when I go into the market. But I want to breathe. Right. I want to get yeah, some fresh yeah. air. But I agree we with can't you. We can't light up our face if only you see as my eyes. Now, you can give a thumbs up. You can do a wave. You can certainly talk if you can hear me. Um, I suppose your wife would share with me that, you know, how much lipstick do we need to wear these days? Um, all it does is get all over our mask. I mean, what's That's the point, right? right? You know, right. our earrings yeah. get caught in the, in, the, in the things that go around our ears. So, you know, and, and most of the people are saying, 
uh, I'm doing a Zoom call, but but um, I'm still in my well, my pajama bottoms are down there. But I've got, I've got I'm dressed from the waist up. You know, we've changed we've changed so many uh, personalities about how we do things today that we didn't do in the past just because, right? Yeah. I certainly appreciate the need to brush our teeth because when I wear a mask, I'm like, oh, my God, my breath stinks. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, is that what people are actually smelling? So I'm, I'm, I brush my teeth and use my mouthwash all the time because I, I have to put my mask on. It's like, you see, you get it back to yourself. So, you know, your mask oh, is like man. your mirror, just like other people yep. could be your mirror, yep. too. <laughs> yep, it's kind of like that old adage with goes around, comes around. <laughs> That's you know? right. That's you know? right. Exactly. It's, it's, That's right. It's so, it's, so, it's so funny. And I really think that your book, your message, and how you show up is at the essence of what you do. And I don't know, is, is, is your brother as effervescent and outgoing and speaking like you are other He's than to say funny. that you're captain speaking. Yeah, Dennis is pretty funny. We 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 have a lot of fun together. We we did a uh-huh. program recently. We were together, and someone typed in the chat box, "You got to take your comedy show on the road." Because uh, <laughs> you know we know each other pretty well, and you know sure. our mother taught us the same things. Uh, but our, we're different in our own ways. But uh, uh-huh. he, he's pretty funny. Yeah. Well, I can really see why. I hope that all of you have stayed to listen to this entire one-hour show that you've taken away from this, the essence of what Donald is all about, of those lessons that he's learned from his mom, this wonderful marriage that he, that he has and his two accomplished children, and the fact that, you know, you have lived a, a blessed life, and I, I don't have. think for one moment that you take that for granted. I don't. I'm very no. privileged, and I know that I am, and so yes. I just want to offer anything that I can to people. If it's helpful, that's great. If it's not, you know, go talk to somebody else, that's fine, too. There are many paths to the throne. Absolutely, and, you know, you we didn't even – maybe another time you'll join me again, and we'll talk specifically about what you did at Ames because that was pretty remarkable, and the – the effect that you had in that program that you had with the students, you know, and STEM now is such a big deal, and yeah, it it, it really is, and and I think that you are a born teacher. I think that that's that's instinctively, it's like if I know it, I want to share it. That's just sort of how I see you. You know, I don't yeah. have to keep it to myself. Certainly there are things that you have to keep to yourself. I don't know if you – you must have had a, a clearance of, of sorts, right, that there were things uh, you could talk about. I did when I got higher up in the organization, but fortunately yes. because what I was doing was in the education field, there was very little that, you know, I couldn't share. Uh, I uh-huh. had, certainly had things that I was privy to that I couldn't, but most of my work, you know, was obviously not classified, so – um, okay. Yeah, it's it's Good it's a, it's a great organization and you know, it's a well understood brand no matter where I've been in the world if I wear my NASA gear and I always do. Mm-hmm. And I actually mm-hmm. do it because I want people to ask me about it so I have a chance to talk to them. That's why I Exactly. Do that. But then I find out that they you know, they as a kid they were wanted fascinated by space travel and things like that and that's how I get to connect with people. So it's, it's just a wonderful place to work. You bet. You bet. Well, I know that we could 
I know personally that I could continue to speak with you, but I, in the in fairness to my audience and 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 your time, um, I know we've run a little bit over, and I and I'm okay with that because it was well worth it. But I just I just want to say thank you, thank you. You know, I, I hear myself. Thank you for being my friend. You know, I just it just that just pops in because there's always a jukebox going on up there, but. I, I'm so I'm so delighted that we got to know each other, and it's your wife that made that connection. So please tell Tanya that I am so grateful for her connecting you and I through some website that we both. Yeah. That we, you know, she did it. She made it happen. So she thank saw you that. So much. Says, oh, you need to talk to that lady. <laughs> <laughs> well, so how I'm going to pay it forward is I'm going to connect you to some ladies that I know you need to speak to. I and, appreciate um, that so much. And I look forward to the opportunity. You know, it's just April. Maybe, maybe we'll think about doing this again towards the end of the year, and you can tell me, you tell me what you're doing locally and now but wonderful um, any time thank thank you so so much everybody for all of you that have supported me for for all these six years 300 yay 300 (laughs) episodes i feel honored that i have that privilege to have i'm going to make a hat that says born to talk 300 on it or something (laughs) there you go there you go, and then you could put bowling. No, I'm just kidding. That's not There that's you go. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, thank you once again, and I, I appreciate it. I look forward to having you all join me next 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 month. Right? We start we start. There's five Mondays in May. It's going to be a busy month for me, and just thank you once again for 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 gracing the airways and bye everybody be safe out there it was thank you bye for now everyone